will fix you. Hello and welcome to another fine episode of We Will Fix You. The the podcast that knows exactly how much wood a, a woodchuck would chuck if a woodchuck could chuck. We, we don't fucking care. We know how much wood. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you people? Anyway, joining me this evening, with or without wood, Mr. Dave Convery, who, uh, who I'm informed is like a leprechaun, but for fatty foods and crying. Yeah, it's fine. Just don't think about it. I decline to look at the end of your rainbow, sir. Mr. H.J. Doom, the uh, the head keeper at that zoo they just filled with orphans. They're feisty. I heard that. And I, I as ever, am Roger Hart, who, who originally discovered Meringue and will absolutely not explain what he was doing at the time. If you would like us, the fixers, to fix you, the fixees, please do write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or online at hauntedphonograph.com. Or not, you know, I'm not your mum. I'm also not the mum of this evening's fixie, who has a semi-parental problem. Their subject today, I have accidentally befriended an incel. Their question, dear fixers, I have accidentally befriended an incel. Or, more accurately, a proto-incel. For context, I am a man. A year or so ago, a lad turned up in a community I'm part of. I read him as an angsty goth teenager with possible mental health situations going on and felt that he probably needed gentle non-rejection, so was friendly and kind towards him. The other people in the community were less generous and often took offence at his emotional immaturity, embarrassing edgelordiness and constant tantrums if not provided with the immediate validation for his posts that he desired. Mm-hmm. These are irritating traits for sure, but he did indeed have learning disabilities and a few significant mental illnesses, major depression, anxiety, etc., that explained, if not excused, his behaviour. Either way, he was not furnished with the patience and kindness that I felt he needed, and the rest of the community, made of non-disabled adults, I hasten to add, essentially bullied him off the server. I was horrified at their behaviour, bollocked them, and went to seek out this lad to concertedly befriend him and at least try to give him the social support he clearly needed. I very quickly realised that while I have endless sympathy and compassion for his mental health issues, I have rather less tolerance for his unshakable sense of entitlement, complete inability to engage in critical thought, and his misogyny. The misogyny came up very suddenly. He doubted a cavalcade of misogynistic gamer girl hot takes culminating in the incredible conclusion that women who wear clothes on the internet are predatory. I decided not to pick apart his argument, but instead to offer my surprise that he felt that way about women because I had thought he was you know, better than to ride women as being sluts or to opine control of what people did with their bodies. His response was to have a gigantic tantrum at me to point out that women, as a rule, hated and abused him. One time a 17-year-old he was hitting on on Twitter called him a simp, and, and therefore he was, he was allowed to say whatever he liked about them. This gave me significant bad vibes. I found myself with a choice. To abandon this guy because you can't fix people. Mm-hmm. You can only give them an alternative viewpoint, and if they change or not is, is on them or to doggedly keep being there for him and to prove him wrong about 
everyone abandoning him and give an alternative point of view on the misogynistic and increasingly racist think farts he keeps coming out with. On a personal note, I do genuinely think that as a vulnerable, socially rejected young man, he is at high risk of being radicalised by predatory, unsavoury political undercurrents. And as a man, it is my moral obligation to ensure to the best of my ability that this doesn't happen. This is the sort of work men should be doing, to see when other men are going off the rails and concertedly try to steer them back on track. But it's hard, and he's unpleasant. Where do I go from here? Yours, Custer. Zowie! Whew, gosh, yes, that. So, possibly the only funny joke to feature on the television show Family Guy is a policeman stopping the protagonist, Edgelord Homer Simpson, or whatever he's called, um, and holding a colour swatch to his face, graded variously between browns for terrorist and some pasty pinkish whites for mentally ill. It's mildly amusing in a way that me describing a visual joke will ever, never ever manage to be. It's also perhaps the best the show ever manages. But it does at least seed the idea that one person's irreparable radicalization is another's systemic lack of social care. Why didn't I start with that, you may ask? Because just fucking fuck Family Guy and its like sub-South Park-esque role in promulgating sociopolitical cynicism under the guise of ironic detachment that's enabled the creep of the hard right, and Jesus, just fuck everyone, that's why. It's the fight club of us having to watch cartoons that all look the same now, and thank Christ for Big Mouth. Where was I? Yes. Um, Radicalisation and how to row it back. Look. I'm not a massive capitalist, but I do play one for my day job. So I have a very simple question for you. Do you have, or do you have access to someone who can pay you a spare £200,000? Because that's what it costs to fail to de-radicalise a French teenager. We can probably trim that, and I'm going to walk you through some of the options and why, but I'm not a wizard, and I just can't see us landing this for a final bill of under, let's say, 100 k and the entirety of your mental well-being. I'm sort of reverse lead burying here, but if there's one actual piece of advice I genuinely, factually, earnestly, no stupid jokes about wolves, not doing stupid voice give people, it's don't waste good faith energy on a bad faith engagement. Just don't. Now, back to some shite I blacked off Wikipedia. Round about 1995. French security forces apprehended a disillusioned young man who'd been inducted into Jihadist's cell and was about to blow some shit up. They imprisoned him, as is the brutal carceral want of modern states, and carried on doing whatever it is the French security services do with the rest of their time. I don't know, looking sternly at some cheese. The chap, um, David Vallat, then 22, spent most of his incarceration reading picked up a bunch of Enlightenment philosophy, a novel or two, maybe some poems, and eventually enrolled in some university courses. Grossly simplified story short, the kid de-radicalised himself through the magical power of reading. The uh, the simplification doesn't matter so much because um, like nothing could be as simplistic as what the French government then did, which was took it and ran with it, culminating a decade or so later in the um, Pontoni Chateau program, which was a high-intensity voluntary de-radicalization program run in a quiet corner of the Loire Valley. A facility stuffed the gills with psychologists, teachers, care workers, um, various nebulous professionals, all trying to build a re-education program for some folks who'd 
phoned a hotline saying they were feeling a bit terroristy and could they maybe not. It didn't really work. Partly because the local residents caught wind and formed a racist blockade, but mostly because it degenerated into making everyone get up at 7am to belt out the national anthem and learn a centrist dad's take on French cultural values. Less of a leg up to autodidact self-critique and more of a parish council meeting with CBT. What are you going to do? Honestly, in this case, it feels a lot like the radicalized kids for wasting their good faith energy on a bad faith engagement. But, you know, who am I to judge the country that gave us Beaujolais and Tartiflette? A far more successful take on the same principle is the um, Aarhus model. Or Aarhus, I, it, Denmark. Th- th- this, is, this is Denmark doing the same thing, but being a little bit nicer. It's, it's, it's well established. It's a framework. It runs out of the mis- municipality of Aarhus. Um, yeah partnerships with police, whatever. Um, Maybe they shouldn't do that. It focuses on targeting the at-risk or recently radicalized um, or recently released from incarceration for radicalization-related blowing shit up with intensive social care, community support, and, you know, actual welfare. It's not perfect, but the results are encouraging. It's taken as a model for a lot of places. It takes a lot of psychologists and social workers, family support, and fundamentally recognizes that even though radicalized is a kind of problematic concept for all sorts of reasons, depending on what you think, where you think the consensus normal sits, it's basically a reaction to structural problems. Contrast this to the UK's PREVENT program, which basically mandates that teachers and nurses yell, don't do a jihad, anyone who looks a bit foreign, and you'll see a thin but serviceable analogy for your conduct, Denmark, versus that of your online associates. Theresa May. Now, it's it, it, it's hard to get precise numbers on the cost of any given deradicalization effort, but as the French program ran as a small pilot, it's sort of easy to pick up some indicative numbers. The um, Pontoni initiative cost around 2.5 million euros to work with a cohort of nine deradicalizees. Even if we generously assume some non-linear cost scaling, like, you know, heating bills and shit, they didn't get the turnout they expected, it's still going to come in around, let's say, 200 grand per person, and the program ran for less than a year. It also didn't work. You know, there's that. Now, again, capitalism is bollocks, and I don't presume to know your personal day rate, but this all suggests you're basically pulling a grand a day gig as an evening sympathy project and not seeing the cheddar. I don't say this to ask, is the kid worth it? More to try and throw some relief over what might plausibly be achievable given your time and resources. On the other hand, you'd be justified for pointing out that all I've done is restate your problem back at you, but with added jives about French centrist dads. The core question remains, though, um, as, as you say, if not you, then who? Men, if masculinity work, should be doing this. They should be lifting each other up and repairing. But, you know, can you get the kid to go to Denmark? With, with, with merely the spare time and mental reserves of one human, no doubt an exceptional human as all our listeners are, but still, you know, you might as well, as, as, as a friend of mine says, try to plat piss. This is a systemic structural failure that you shouldn't see as your personal responsibility. And while that doesn't mean you should just walk away, it does mean you get to manage your energy. You get to set boundaries. Find other people to help if you can, but mostly don't beat yourself up for not being able to solve this. You're doing 200 grand's worth of work for free, let's say, for absolutely fucking nothing, spending good faith energy on a bad faith engagement. I'm okay with you stopping. Anyway.
Mr. H.J. Doom. Well, first of all, I think many of us can empathise with your situation. Who among us hasn't seen an elderly relative go a bit UKIP or had a tangential acquaintance suddenly begin talking about, you know, different colours of pill? It can be very hard to deal with, which is, of course, why many of us duck our responsibilities and simply excise such people from our lives. I want to go on record as stating that this is absolutely fine and your first priority always needs to be your own mental health, much as Roger said. However, assuming that you've got the spare spoons to attempt to wrangle this misogynist dipshit into a normal dipshit like the rest of us, then I've got some slightly distressing news. It's much harder to de-radicalise someone than it is to radicalise someone. The problem is that whatever emotional support you are able, in your infinite benevolence, to provide comes with strings attached, those strings being that he needs to do the necessary work on himself to be the very best dipshit he can be. Radical groups appeal to damaged people like him precisely because they won't require him to do any work on himself. They will tell him that all his problems are caused by someone else and that the solution is the wholesale restructuring of society so that it panders entirely to him and people like him. The tragedy being that if he's white, cisgender, straight and from even a tolerably well-off background, then society is already pandering to him to a gigantic extent and yet he's somehow contrived to be miserable. That isn't to say there's anything morally culpable about struggling in a society set up for your benefit. I'm almost smack in the middle of the white middle-class Venn diagram and I'm terrible at being alive. But I must stress that's in ways that in no way impede my ability to provide top quality advice to strangers on the internet. If you're someone who's really struggling, then you just don't have the available energy to do the work necessary to make you a better dipshit. That is why radicalisation preys so effectively on the psychologically vulnerable. Just as being disabled only becomes apparent when someone with a disability needs to engage with a society set up for able-bodied people, so being an awful person is only a problem when you're expected to behave like someone with an actual trace of empathy. A radicalised environment full of fuck-awful people offers everyone the chance to be fuck-awful and never have to confront the problems of a society set up for the benefit of the merely very disagreeable. So what can you do? He's very unlikely to be able to change while he's experiencing mental illness. And if there's one thing our society is very bad at, it's treating mental illness in a timely and sympathetic fashion. What we're looking at here is a process of harm reduction. The absolute worst case scenario is that he joins the local branch of the Conservative Party because with his combination of entitlement, resentment and poorly treated mental illness, there's every possibility he'll end up a cabinet minister inside a decade. And I wouldn't wish that fate on Michael Gove. But take heart because not all festering sinkholes of unbridled negativity are as socially damaging as the Tories. There are places, grim, nightmarish places, where he'll be able to mix with people just like him without it spilling out into acts of either meticulously planned violence or dressing like Jacob Rees-Mogg. I'm talking, of course, about the League of Legends community. If you want to exist in a parallel world where being called the N-word by a very angry stranger is among the most polite experiences you will ever have, 
then I can fully recommend playing League of Legends with the chat enabled. No other online space, not even the worst Nazi enabling sewer of a message board can compete with the sheer level of dysfunction exhibited by a gaming community which can and will call you a cunt before the game has even started. It's an alternate reality where the player gradually becomes aware that just as golf has been described as a way of ruining a good walk, so League of Legends is ultimately an unfortunate distraction from what is the main business of flagrant displays of entitlement, toxicity and bewildering directionless rage. It's as if the benevolent powers of the universe had decided to create Narnia but for furious incels. Step through the magic door of your computer screen and enter a world where you, assuming you sometimes pause for breath between shrieking abusive non sequiturs, are among the most well-adjusted people in the community. It sounds like your lad will fit right in and the best thing is that every second he spends spouting misogynistic slurs to those teammates he believes, rightly or wrongly, to be female, is one second fewer he has to construct a nail bomb, lurk in the bushes outside a female celebrity's house or stand for election in a by-election, prompted by a senior conservative backbencher being caught fucking a flamingo at Woburn Safari Park. I realise that this isn't really solving the problem, but realistically any actual solution I could provide is likely to involve chloroform, a van and the delicate surgical deployment of a claw hammer. So this is very much the best I can offer within the bounds of the law. I hope it helps. I, I would like to offer uh, a special thanks for our, to our legal compliance officer, Mr. H.J. Doom, for keeping us on the straight and narrow. Mr. Convery. Well, firstly, I'm going to have to take umbrage uh, with the assertion there that you can't fix people, um, since we can and we do and it's right there in the name of the, the show. They just need to follow our good, good advice. Moving on. It's problems like this that make me understand there is a, a true generation gap. So my teen years, the, the absolute arse end of my teen years, we would have started to see dial-up internet. But I... Um, you know, I, I wasn't on message boards. Um, I wasn't being radicalized by a chat stream that was running alongside an illegal stream of Thomas the Tank Engine or whatever the fuck happens now. But also because when I was young, I understood that spending all of my free time in Games Workshop was a choice and that choices have consequences. In this case, that I had very little money I had superglue in open wounds, um, and I had pariah status that didn't and still does not necessarily seem particularly distinct from a true societal good. Still, you don't end up a middle-aged man with a podcast without some share of rejection. So I can sympathize with his predicament, even if I don't like the outcomes. As my colleagues have touched on. I think the only fix here is accepting that this person is not your sole responsibility. Your approach to this sounds 
incredibly admirable. Um, and, and, and I get that you see and have seen other people rejecting this person, and it's going to make you double down on the desire to not do that thing, particularly when you're there and you see the results of that rejection. But there are diminishing returns, and those diminishing turns are only going to increase when it's taking a toll on you, as it as it obviously is. You can't help someone if you're tired and angry and at the end of your tether. This is why we have social services, terrible as they may be, inadequate as they may be, badly funded as they may be. It's why they exist, because no individual can take all of this on by themselves. And you are 100% right to say that this is the work that men should be doing, 100% right to say that there is a moral duty for men to do more of this in society. But there have to be bounds to that. It can't be something that you keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. And this is not to say that you need to extract yourself from the situation to walk away cleanly or anything like that, but you can reduce your time and failing that, we have already covered how to fake your own death in several episodes. Indeed, we have. Were, were I also to send you scurrying through our back catalogue, other things we've covered include um, the rough instructions for um, kidnapping someone and imprisoning them in a crude facsimile of the Chinese afterlife until they learn their lesson. Just floating that out there. Can't remember the actual episode number because I drink, but it will be in the show notes. No, it probably won't. Well, I'm, you know, I do the show notes. I'm incredibly diligent, and this is going to be the last thing I hear on the recording. So, what's actually going to happen is it's not going to be in the show notes until the last fucking minute, and then I'm going to sit there and go, oh, you prick. And then I'll put it in the show notes. Well, there you are, tender listeners. A little, a little glimpse behind the curtain into the magic of how we do what we do. And what we do is fixing you. I forgot our website address earlier. He did. I fixed that with half a brick in a sock. Socially distanced, of course. Wonderful what you can do with drones these days. And if you would like to uh, hear us drone on a little, why not? Uh, why not? Why not write to We Will Fix You Show at something on the internet. <laughs> oh, it happens to the best of us, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm a wretched cunt. At gmail.com We will indeed fix you show at gmail.com or hauntedphonograph.com for the web form. A. Fucking hell, go get a drink, I'm going to. Mm.